You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. Maybe not so much. Hang on one second. I'm currently muted. Now I'm currently unmuted. Hello, everybody. It's June 15th, 8.02. And this is coaching. We're in part one, the promise of coaching. We're going to bring Matt up onto stage in just a moment, and we're going to continue this live read. A couple of housekeeping notes. One, if you were in the audience yesterday um, for uh, Drew's amazing uh, talk, um, I've already put a little clip, a little highlight reel together. Um, You will get that POAP. I'm just doing it manually at the moment. I'll just email everyone individually. Or maybe uh, my trusty henchman, Mr. Jonathan, over there will will do it for me. And uh, another piece of information, starting tomorrow, um, I was thinking about it. We are going to move the Collective Cafe to Twitter Spaces. We're going to do it every day uh, on Twitter Spaces. Um, I thought about Clubhouse. I just think Clubhouse is just dead at the moment, unless I'm able to... Uh, play around with something. We might even move it around a little bit. I, I think what we need to do is I want to build this. I want to grow this. And um, and so as part of our preview period, just like we're doing with the Alpha Beta Talks, um, we're going to run our uh, collective cafe from either Discord, uh, from either uh, Clubhouse or um, or we're going to run it from Twitter. So I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe we'll do both, actually. Maybe we'll, uh, not at the same time, but maybe we'll try a week in Twitter and see if it grows and then move over to Clubhouse and then come back to Twitter. Um, you know, we've got our regulars who are very comfortable with both Clubhouse and Twitter. So um, just even to, you know, double up, I think would be amazing. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Um, but I'm more excited uh, to welcome up the the man who is ready to make the ultimate commitment in life. Uh, I guess I just made the ultimate commitment, which is becoming an EOS uh, implementer. I became a coach, Matt. I was itching to tell you, by the way. 
um, that uh, can I blame you maybe or can I can I be grateful to you? How are you doing? I'm great. I'm taking at least 10% credit. You, in royalties or credit? Um, is this a conceptual just credit? credit? Just, just credit in, in the street. Yeah. You know, it's amazing because I actually realize, um, and it's so funny because um, <laughs> I skipped to a later part of the book because I like to kind of come up with different elements of the book. And and the very first line that I read in, in the section that I wanted to start off with today is, is do not re- do not skip to this part of the book. Go back, um, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> he caught me!" Um, you know exactly where I'm talking about. Um, but it was funny. Um, uh, you know what I'm learning is um, I'm learning. I've learned a couple of things in this in this last few weeks. One um, for me is that everything I think has brought me to this point: mentoring, facilitating, speaking, teaching. I feel like now I'm finally ready to coach. And um, and I think even yesterday we discussed the drama triangle um, and the empower, the enlightenment, you know, the whole uh, TED, I think, as it's called. But this idea of the hero, the villain, and the victim. And the victim becomes the challenger. The hero becomes the creator. Uh, the victim becomes the creator. And, uh, and the hero becomes the coach. And uh, the more I realize, the more I think about it, the more I realize that there are so many people out there that call themselves business coaches and they don't actually know what they're talking about. Um, they're out there telling people. That's not coaching. Coaching is not telling. Uh, coaching is asking. Uh, coaching is empowering others to solve the problems themselves. Um, I'm sure there are coaches that can tell. You come to a coach and the coach says, don't do this, do that, stop doing that, do this more. Um, but But I feel like, Am I wrong? I mean, can you have both kinds of coaches? Um, the coaches that you come to and they tell you what to do and they tell you what you're doing wrong and how to fix it? Um, or, or in fact, am I, am I more on track with this idea that a coach is there to, to bring out the answer in you? You know, this, this, this saying, which is the answer is always in the room. Yeah, I, I think that that you're pointing to what what I think we'll call like true pure coaching is. Um, And to be clear, as a coach, I sometimes, especially when I'm working with other coaches, I'll sometimes offer my experience. I simply try to be clear that this is a moment that is not coaching. And it's the same thing with leaders, right? It's a slower process to support people in their growth as leaders because they get to make mistakes. They get to do the same things that we did that didn't work. They get to stumble their way through, but in the long term, it produces it produces, I think, a lot more success because they now know the answers themselves. This is exactly what we're talking talking about. But in the short term, we have to learn our own. We get to grow in our uh, on our own in being patient, in trusting others, in trusting ourselves in the container that we built that it's actually working, that they're actually growing. And that's challenging. Oh, I love that. I love this idea of almost being saying, you know, being able to say, it's like when you're role playing, you're like, okay, this is Joseph now. Um, but, um, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I would imagine that it's like you have to resist the urge when someone says, tell me the answer. And, uh, and you may know the answer. It may be so obvious, but still you have to be able to at least give them a chance to figure it out themselves. Um, and this is what I'm learning, you know. So I, I love that idea that says, look, there's no one size fits all. Um, sometimes you have to just kind of, um, you know, experiment a little bit. And if you can shortcut. In fact, one of the things that, that we did with EOS um, when we had the uh, what they call the QCE, which is the uh, quarterly collaboration exchange, is they call it experience shares. And so what they tell, especially the newbies, is they say, Basically, if you don't have actual experience on answering the question, keep quiet. So they're very, very um, deliberate about this idea. The shares should be from experience from what you've done, not conceptual, not positing, not postulating, um, not kind of conceptualizing. Um, And again, there's no one size fits all, but I like that as well. It's like a, a good check yourself before you wreck yourself. Nice. Yeah, the only question I have is what at any moment 
there's there's the um uh the acronym of why am i talking right it's it's weight um at any moment i think as a coach facilitator or as a leader it's it's so critical that we we can take ask ourselves that question so in that experience share it sounds like the the purpose of that is for people with experience to give tangible uh history and stories right at some point there might be a creativity uh you know an option for creative brainstorming right and at that point you want everyone to share but the the point is at, mm-hmm. at any at any given moment what are we actually doing here what is this for and what's the point and generally as coaches the point is to support people in creating their own answers and so that means we shut the heck up way more than we want to love it well, welcome everybody. Um, we are um, we're going to actually almost pick up where we left off, and um, we're going to start. You got caught. Oh yeah, no. Well, I could have gone somewhere else, um, but then I went back, and there were a few <laughs> things that I really loved. So we we might have skipped a page or two because obviously I want to encourage people that are here and people that are listening to the podcast and people that are reading the LinkedIn summary, which I'll put out later today or tomorrow um, to buy the book. Um, Not just because, I mean, I actually feel like I feel very strongly about this now that, you know, it's it's the least we can do when someone gives of themselves, when they pour so much into writing a book, uh, when it is so deeply personal, the least we can do is spend, in this case, 11 bucks or 15 bucks and buy the book and show a little bit of support. Um, So, um, you know, can't give them everything. Um, All right, so we're going to, we're on on my Kindle, which might be very different to anything else. It says page 29, um, and it starts off by saying uh, it's about them. Here's an uncomfortable truth. Your clients don't hire you for the reasons you think. Your clients do not pay you for your time. They do not pay you for your attention. They do not pay you for the fancy tools you have or your proven frameworks, for your good looks, your brilliance, your education, or your experience. They might think they do. They might use your framework as a rationalization for their decision. They might be inspired or in awe of your accomplishments. They might see you as an expert in the thing they're struggling with. That's all great, but it's not really what's going on. They pay you for them, for the life they have just a, they, they have just a glimmer of right now and want to see and experience fully for the feeling they'll have or think they'll have when their idea is realized for the thing that pains them right now to not bring to the world. They also pay you for the look in their partner's eyes when they commit to a lifetime together or for the opportunity to make the impossible possible. And paying you is proof that all of that can actually happen if they make the choice. It's not about you, it's about them. More than that even, it's about something bigger than them. They believe that something else is possible for them and for the world. They see a future with more love, abundance, joy, purpose, and impact. They see a world free from suffering. They see relationships that light people up and open their hearts. They see creativity, expression, and innovation that transforms lives. You're just the gateway, the door opener, the companion along the path, the mirror, the light that shines back their innate greatness, and the person to love them when they fall over and fear that they can't get back up. When you show up in that way, what they hope is possible actually becomes possible for them and for the world. None of that is about time. None of that is about a process. None of that is about you. And then straight afterwards, there's a heading that says, it's also about you. Just as true. Uh, Who you be makes all the difference. You might find it difficult to sell yourself as a coach because if someone says no, you'll feel rejected. You might feel afraid to shine your light too brightly because you'll dim others or put yourself in the way of criticism. You also might hesitate to speak the truth you see because you could be misunderstood or you might avoid sharing your struggles and humanity with others out of fear they won't trust you. All of that is true for me and all of it is in the way of me doing my best work with my clients. That doesn't make me a bad or ineffective coach. It makes me a human. It isn't my fault that I have limiting thoughts and behaviors, but it is my responsibility to to continue to grow beyond them. That growth is in service to me, my clients, and the world. We choose the clients we work with because their journey has something to teach us. 
The work challenges us to continue to deepen ourselves so we can continue to be of service. I'd say it's inescapable, but it's not. Some coaches choose to plateau to keep doing what they found works and ride it out. That's a choice too. But this isn't you, is it? You're here because you're called to the challenge. Your job is to move through what's in the way for you so you can help your clients reach places they've never imagined. As you level up, so will they. As they level up, so must you. And then the final, uh, well, not the final, the next section is called, we discussed this actually on the show, uh, your clients will break your heart. They will avoid seeing the possibility you hold in front of them. They will rebel against their own power and greatness. They will ask to quit when right on the verge of a huge breakthrough. Clients will back out of a committed agreement with you at the last very minute. They'll blame you or something outside of themselves for all of it and on and on and on. They'll show up as humans. If you're standing powerfully for them, they will show up more expressed in their humanity with you than anywhere else in their life. Sometimes you'll want to shake them until they wake up or climb down into their hole and save them. I guess that's the hero. Or force them to get on a call with you. You'll want to make them see what you see no matter what it takes. Maybe that's the villain. Uh, None of those things is your job. Your job is to love them and to challenge them to remember who they really are. That's the transformation of the villain into the challenger. Without attaching yourself to the outcome over and over and over again. To do that, take care of yourself. Be in your own work and growth and development. Treat yourself with love. You've got this. So the the one thing that I'll just add is what I love about this is this idea of it's a partnership. It's a you know it, it's a relationship. And if it wasn't about you at all, if you were completely subservient, if you were just you know um, uh, almost. Uh, um, uh, what's that? What's that song from Chicago from the musical, Mister uh, Mister Cellophane? You know, if you were just that, then then what? You know, what good are you? And and you have to be fueled too. And in fact, your experience with a coach uh, with a client, I guess, is going to help you grow, and you're going to be able to share some of those experiences with other clients and other clients' experiences with those clients. And it actually becomes part of this like human network, this, I think, organic network. Um, And so um, I kind of love the reminder that it is a two-way process or street. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Matt. Otherwise, I'll keep going. I think this just double-clicks on some of the things we talked about last time we were on, which is that our clients, if we're doing really good work, are going to bring up our stuff. Our, Our employees... If we're pushing them, if we're all um, taking on projects that are that stretch us, we are going to be challenged, and uh, we just get that. It's just part of the journey. It's not a bad thing. Not at all. So the next the next uh, little subhead says: Learn to be a client to learn to be a coach. You need a coach. You need to experience what transformation is like from your client's perspective. You need to commit money, time, and energy to something that scares you. You need to feel the feeling of being on the fence and choosing hell yes or hell no to the life you've dreamt of. Funnily enough, Matt, yesterday I think we discussed the the Venn diagram of hell yes, hell no, and in the middle is just hell. Um, So um, it comes up 24 hours later. You need to risk disappointing someone else when something just doesn't feel right. You need to receive 100% love and 100% challenge from someone who's not going anywhere. You need to be a stand for what's possible in yourself if you hope to be a stand for what's possible in others. Your money fears will show up, your old wounds will hurt and invite you to heal them, maybe after some thrashing and avoiding. Your projections will come out in full force, insisting that everything is everyone else's fault and you can't actually do it. That's the victim. Your ego will grab hold of all the insights you've gained in the past and use them to try to convince you that you're done growing. They'll challenge you every step of the way as you grow into the limitless power you possess. They'll also make you a better coach every time you learn to integrate them. That's the way through. That's the way this world changes. Through our own commitment to what could be and our willingness to move toward it. Be a coach by being a client. 
Um, I will tell you that, you know, I've never had a coach myself. I almost feel uh, shortchanged. I almost feel like, um, you know, I feel poorer because of it. Um, I've never had a mentor. I've never had a coach. I've never had someone kind of pushing me, challenging me, guiding me, um, you know, supporting me. I've always been out alone myself. Now, you know, through EOS, uh, I have a coach. I mean, we're all coaches, right? Uh, I think you say that in the book even. We're all coaches. Um, but I actually now have have a head coach that I can turn to that hopefully is going to push me um, as well. And it actually feels, um, it feels great. It actually feels great uh, to not have to have the, the weight of the world on your shoulders all the time. Um, and, and obviously, you've got to be able to flip the script too. So being a client, which I've never been, um, you know, now, you know, it's very hard to understand their point of view if you haven't actually walked a mile in their moccasins. So uh, that de- definitely rings true. The being of a Thanks coach. Thanks for being up to oh, the yeah. work. Hmm? Thanks for being up to the work. Yeah, got to. Got to put it in as well. And you got to like also, you know, and, and it's that vulnerability as well. You know, you've got to be able to put yourself out there. It's unbelievable how, how um, huge that part is, like massive. It's, 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 the, it's the woolly mammoth in the room. It's not just the elephant in the room. Um, you know, this idea that we just uh, don't say what's on our mind because we're not, because we're not safe because we're intimidated, because we're afraid of recrimination. Um, just the ability to say, you know, respectfully something and be able to, you know, as I was talking about yesterday, enter the danger. It's so powerful when you can have an open, honest line of communication where everybody knows that that everyone's on the same team. And it's actually amazing, Matt, how we need to kind of remind each other all the time that we are, in fact, on the same team um, because you just forget. Like, why does that happen? Why do we need constant reminders that we're actually on the same team that prevent us from, you know, being a little bit vulnerable and being a little bit, um, you know, and, and just being honest? I have theories. Uh, I, I think that there's something our, our culture finds admirable about the lone wolf like you. I mean, you're you're a brilliant guy. It's it's you often have answers, and so it's it's a really safe and easy place to play uh, to 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 go it alone. I, I very much understand that and can relate to it. And it, it's sort of we're demonstrated that that's what success ought to look like. And so in a way it's, it's, we like, uh, and plus I'm, you know, uh, if we look at culture TV, the types of conversations we have are often adversarial. They're blame focused. Someone says a thing, the other person responds and blames the other person back. We, we very, very infrequently have modeled conversations where people aim to move together. And, and to be clear, like me too, all the time, I'm, I get married in nine days and it's a constant daily, multiple times a day reminder of, oh yeah, she and I are on the same team. Like we're actually, we're, we're actually doing this together because we choose to. But when we can do that, even if it's for a few seconds, it, it can change the whole dynamic as you're talking about. That's for getting married. So um, listen, I'm contractually obliged to tell you that it's not too late to back out. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. In fact, uh, you know, I'm still hoping to be invited to the wedding. Uh, the way I'm going, I'm going to be disinvited. Uh, but it's true. Hey, you come know. on, come on out. And 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 you know what? Part of it as well is being able to, you know, to be comfortable in to be comfortable in the discomfort. Um, and you know, I think it's also okay to keep reminding people. Maybe we need reminders that we're on the same team. You know, that we actually want the same thing. That we're not, you know, you know that that whole line about would you rather be, uh, would you rather be kind or rather be right, right? We'd, um, it, it's amazing how we fall on our swords to be right instead of being happy or being kind, um, and that's why, like, you know, I mean, you you can't miss the way that you've written this book, this idea of being a warrior of love. That this really is about love. I mean, why would you do this otherwise? Why would you choose to spend time with people? 
You know, it's unbelievable how many people, by the way, and I've heard this actually from leadership, people, people saying, I actually hate people. I actually dislike people. I'm like, well, then why are you in the people business? Like, why are you even the CEO of the company? Why are you coaching? Why are you doing any of this? If you, You've got to love people, warts and all. I, I also have opinions on, I have a thought on that. Generally, when I, my experience of clients who say that, who say, I don't like feelings and I don't like people, is because they have a lot of feelings. They're deeply empathetic and compassionate and emotionally connected, but they're afraid of it. And they don't have the tools to use it. So that's actually my <laughs> my answer is okay, great. Then we're actually going to lean in there uh, because you have an under you have an undiscovered superpower. And right now, it feels too painful for you to use that. Um, but you're right; like it's a courageous act over and over again on a regular basis. And we often um, kind of talking about this being on the same team versus you know being in opposition. We'll say. Well, I would act like I'm on their team if they did it first, which is like, you know, very like five-year-old. Um, and, you know, like the action is to e- even when everything is stacked against us, can we have the courage to lean in and say, I'm going to act like we're on the same team, even if you're going to do whatever you're going to do. Um, there is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's um... It's therapy. I mean, coaching is part therapy. And and it's unbelievable when you realize that people are just dealing with trauma. Trauma from, yeah. from, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's why to me, I think, if I had to say something, I would say being a coach is an awesome responsibility. And that's why I feel like I am, you know, I'm, inspired by people like you, Matt, genuinely, and I am kind of like a bit repulsed by so many people out there masquerading as coaches um, because I can see it now. I can see it so clearly. And uh, But I have to kind of bite my tongue or bite my lip and, you know, or bite my hand or I don't know, uh, bite the hand that feeds me um, because it's not my job right now to save the world and it's not my job to be a pontificator my job to help others and uh and so i'm focused about that and it's a perfect time because we go into a, a section that says the being of uh of of a coach the dao um not the decentralized autonomous organization uh but the dao of being a coach i just changed your thing um and i and i've got my pen on my scribe so i can like literally cross out being and write dao um but don't worry. It's just in my. That's just in, in my copy. Um, uh, you aren't me- do it. <laughs> you aren't merely a human asking questions of another human or giving them space to share what's on their mind. Transformational coaching goes beyond what a lamppost or chatbot can do. It touches your client's soul and invites them to remember who they really are. Try on different energies in your coaching. Mix and match, and experiment and play. As you expand your range. Your clients will expand what they call forth from you. Here are some styles for you to try on. Oh, I love these. Uh, Be the mountain is the first one. The mountain does not move. It does not waver, flinch, steal itself or shiver. The mountain stands tall day and night in the face of whatever comes its way. I'm here, it says, and that's that. The mountain holds a structure for life to flourish. Its soil feeds plants and beneficial organisms. It recycles decaying matter into new birth. It curves and edges off and its curves and edges offer shelter to animals. Its rivers feed the grasses at its feet with pure water from its head and shoulders. It is room for all of this and more. Number two, be the blue sky. The blue sky smiles and you smile back. I see you, it says, and you feel seen. You know it's there even on the cloudiest of days when the dreariness seems never-ending. You can bring its radiance into your mind anytime, lifting your spirit and calming your mind. It invites you to spread your wings and fly, soar, and weave across its limitless expanse. The blue sky has seen it all, devastating storms, wisps of clouds that are almost imperceptible, imperceptible, wondrous rainbows and clear stillness. It is unfazed and open, ready for what's next. It loves it all. That's what it's here for. 
Number three, be the ocean. The ocean is play. It says, come out and explore. Come see what adventure awaits. It also says, come face yourself. I promise I won't take it easy on you. You're welcome. You wouldn't want me to anyway. Swim, dive, dance, sing, flip, or rest all day. It's all welcome here. The world is your oyster and the ocean is full of them. The ocean is power, unrelenting, faceless and dark, clear and bright. What's one drop, one spoonful to the ocean? Nothing. Bring it on. The ocean is hard, hammering the earth with wave after wave. It's soft, gently seeking new ground in the tiniest of cracks. It's patient. Years are like milliseconds in the ocean's lifetime. The ocean is creation and destruction, life and death. It is mother and it is father, receptive womb and penetrative force. Its waters are soothing and healing. They hold us up and pull us down. Its waves teach us life's rhythms, in and out, up and down. They remind us of the preciousness of each breath, each heartbeat, each pulse. Be bamboo. The bamboo plant flexes and flows with the wind. Its leaves dance in celebration of the breeze, swinging and swaying at the joy of living each and every moment. When gale force winds blow and stiff, rigid trees come crashing down, the roots of the bamboo remain intact. When bamboo is cut, it is not phased. Instead, it regenerates faster, and so its growth rate surpasses that of other trees. It becomes anti-fragile, ready for anything. Be the sun. The sun shines with a warmth and light that never dims all day, every day, even when it's dark for half the world. The sun gives us more than we could ever need. Its gravitational force holds us within its arms at the perfect distance for us to thrive. Yet, it does not strain. It trusts that what it offers is enough, and it is. For that, it lasts billions of years. The sun's power of illumination stretches for galaxies and galaxies across the cosmos. Plant and animals seek its light as food and power. Its heat burns away what is no longer needed and clarifies what's left, so we can move forward focused and true. Be music. Music is the flow of life. At once, it creates, follows, and breaks its own rules. Music transcends, divisions, uh, unites, and calls forth peace. Music evokes our most primal and basic natures as well as our most elevated and divine. It heals, it opens our hearts to truth without words. Music has no wrong notes when you're in the flow. Its rhythm carries us away into a new world. Follow the music and you'll never be lost. And finally, be the divine in all forms. This answers my question, which is, can't we be all of them? Uh, The mountain, sky, ocean, bamboo tree, and sun are not self-conscious. They do not worry about how they look or sound. They exist without judgment or comparison, jealousy or greed. What they are, they are. That is all. They are whole. They are complete as they are. They do not need permission to show up and reveal their true nature. They do not worry about whether they belong or whether they're too much or how things might turn out. Their connection to the divine is complete. You are already all of them and more. Rest in that truth. Wow, that is brilliantly written, I have to say. Thank you. It's also um, so many of them, actually, except for music, um, which you could actually argue is uh, nature, is natural, is alive. You know, the the sun, the earth, the ocean, um, bamboo, um, you know, all of this is just natural. And it's amazing how you've kind of chosen all of these very natural. And you could say music because music is nature, right? Music is wind and whistling and animals and, you know, and, and music is also silence. I'm also just letting silence sit out there. So here's the bad news, everybody. No one needs a coach. Now he tells me. Um, 
Just like no one needs to exercise or eat their vegetables or practice gratitude or meditate or get eight hours of sleep or shower every day or pay their rent or drink water. None of those are requirements for any of us, no matter how badly you want them to be. They do have impacts, though. Um, those are two different things, and clients, your, your client doesn't need you. And if any of us want to get the life impact and results we desire with less pain and suffering, a coach can be the way. You have something that will save your client's life. You are the answer to, the problem, to, to their problems. You have exactly the medicine they've been searching for. All of it is true. They don't need you, and you have what they need. Act like it. No one has time or money for a coach. Everyone is busy and full and has already allocated every dollar coming their way. They don't need to change anything. And committing time on a regular basis to lovingly conspire with the universe and create their dream life will change everything for them. Intentionally putting money or some other energy toward that commitment will kickstart the change. We cannot predict what those changes will be for certain. All of it is true. Your client doesn't have time or money and their time and money are waiting to be put to this new use. Accept it. Your ability to hold a multitude of truths all at once is your coach superpower. Harness it and your clients will feel like you make everything they've ever wanted possible. It's why they need you even though they don't need you. I'm just going to repeat that line again. Your ability to hold a multitude of of truths all at once is your coach superpower. So talk a little bit about that, Matt, that line. Like, I mean, the obvious, there's some obvious parts, right? You know, which is being um, uh, versatile and flexible, you know, and the power of and, um, you know, being able to, um, you know, to not have to pick a side, uh, to come in with biases, um, to be water, to flow. Um, but this, I feel like there's something more to this idea of a multitude of truths at once. Um, as we often say now, both can be true. Instead of looking at things yeah. so binary. I think the the life of a, of a coach is, is living in, it's a spiritual practice, I think, to live into both or all of this is true. My uh, Kari Sillins, who's the co-founder of Pilea, we were talking once about therapy, about trauma, and she said one of the, um, like the the breakthrough to come to as a as a child with our parent is mom and dad. One, you did the best you could, and two, it wasn't enough. At the same time, and and my invitation is that for anyone listening feel into that right now because if you're me you will toggle back and forth between those two i'm either mad at you because you you uh it wasn't good enough or i have tremendous compassion for you because i know you did uh i know you did your best but in reality they did their best it was really hard and there was an impact on us as a human and as a little kid and we have trauma we have stuff we have our own emotional baggage from that and so as a coach, I, what we get to do is to hold, I have, have, have feelings as a coach. I think maybe my client is right or wrong. My client has feelings about what's going on. There's a part of them uh, that they, there's a, a belief pattern they have, for example, say that the world is uh, uh, not abundant, that the world is competitive and they have to fight and scratch for everything that they get that it's that part of them that belief served them for a really long time and it no longer serves them and something else is true and right now for my client that belief is still true and my client wants to move out of it because right now it's causing them feelings and when that belief started uh it was there to keep them safe because it really really was how their life was and i just said and a bunch of times all of that is true at the same time and uh, it's often difficult. We, we as humans, it, just as we're trained, as we talked about, to create competition where there's actually cooperation, we're trained to look for one singular answer, right? That's a, our brains are lazy in that aspect. We want one answer to be true. And as coaches, uh, I think the more of this we can hold, the more expansive we can get, the more we can actually accept our clients exactly where they are, 
we can accept ourselves where where we are as we're coaching and that that gives us flexibility gives us malleability it gives us all the stuff you were talking about so the practice of holding all of this at once allows us for all all the being water and flexibility excuse me flexibility and everything that you just described there's um yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so great. Uh, it's so great listening to you um, and and hearing you talk about this. And look, I, I mentioned it was uh, on the heels of my daughter's graduation from college um, that one of the uh, speeches from the undergrads was about quantum physics. And I forget what the law was that she spoke about, but it was this idea of, you know, two seemingly diametrically opposed and almost contradictory things can be true at the same time. So, for example, one of the points she made was if you want to save the world, and she's very, very, you know, she's definitely an, um, uh, a climate change activist. Um, she said, she basically said, be lazy. She was actually telling all these students to be lazy. Be lazy, take a break, just go and lie out, lie on the grass and just enjoy the world. How can you save the world if you don't take the time to enjoy it? So it was these two seemingly opposing forces. I gotta work, I gotta be intense, I gotta do, I gotta run, I gotta like, you know, be on my A game. And she's saying, or and you can actually be lazy from time to time. Goof off, as she spoke about, you know? And I love that idea. Um, it's also, um, quite frankly, goes back to why you need a coach. It is because, to your point, because you don't have the time that you need to take the time in order to make the time and realize that you actually had more time than you thought. You know, the work smarter, not harder. And you actually owe it to yourself to take the time, you know, to to unplug, to you know, step back to gain that perspective. Um, you know, I, I think about everything that I'm doing now. I think about the fact that, that you know, whether it's, hell, every day of my life um, in, in my different shapes and forms, I'm dealing with that same excuse. And it is that at the end of the day, Matt, it's an excuse. Oh, I registered for the webinar, but I couldn't make it because dot, dot, dot. You know, oh, uh, you know, a one-hour talk show is too long. I don't have the time for that. You know, I just give me the three-minute TLDR version. You know, it's it's constantly us saying we don't have time, um, but it really is just a euphemism for something else, isn't it? Yeah, it means I'm not committed to this. I'm prioritizing something else, right? Like that. That's 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 what it means. And uh, again, it's okay. Um, and it's okay. It's uncomfortable to confront that. Yeah. Love it. So we get to something that we discussed um, on the show when you were on, which is containers. And we probably have time to, yeah, I mean, and if anyone wants to jump up in the last uh, 10 minutes or so, have any questions, we would love to uh, hear from you. I'll I'll see if, also if there are, any comments uh, in in the chat as well. Um, so this is called On Containers. Uh, coaching is a process of alchemy. One thing goes in and another comes out. It is transformation and it's quite beautiful. That transformation can't happen without the right environment. A combination of empowerment, possibility, enrollment, commitment, time, attention, pressure, awareness, and more come together to produce magical outcomes that always surprise me. That's the power of a container. A container needs to be the right size, shape, and structure for its use. My plants live in pots slightly larger than their roots, so they have room to grow. Too large or too small of a container and the plant cannot thrive. The bottoms have holes to allow for water flow. Without holes, water pools and roots begin to rot. The outsides are colorful and textured to add life to our home and inspire me and my partner to love on them. When I brew beer, my fermentation container is sanitized and clean. It's tightly sealed with the exception of a one-way valve at the top that lets out air bubbles from yeast burps. If the valve doesn't work, the beer goes bad. 
For pickling vegetables, I use an even tighter container. It's sealed so nothing gets in or out. The amplifying pressure allows for more chemical reactions to take place, sprouting new vitamin combinations and the growth of beneficial bacteria. Each of those containers is designed to provide the right environment for the little beings inside of them to grow and change in the way that works best for them. My pickles wouldn't pickle in a, in a flower pot and my flowers would die in a pickle jar. Now, I'm going to need you to say that three times fast, Matt. My pickles wouldn't pickle <laughs> in a flower pot and my flowers would die in a pickle jar. Um, so, hang on a second. You pickle vegetables and brew beer. Uh, I, I haven't brewed beer in a few years and I haven't pickled vegetables in a couple of years, but yeah, yeah, they're pretty, both, both are actually pretty simple. I'm impressed. Uh, building, <laughs> building the right container for your clients is as important as any coaching work you do inside of it. Unfortunately, many coaches make two mistakes that you're going to change now that you're reading this. All right. Is everyone paying attention? Number, and I said that as I looked at number one, that says, we don't pay enough attention to our containers. I kid you not. I hadn't seen it when I said that. And number two is we don't make our containers strong enough. So we're not focusing enough on our containers and we're not making them strong enough. I'm using we in those statements with intention because I'm guilty of this myself. I've allowed clients to slide into a coaching relationship with me without clear agreements on how we would handle last-minute cancellations or payment terms. I've also lowered my rates to match a client's fear rather than their possibility when I've known that holding strong would have, served, would have better served them. As a result, clients have quit or shown up without much power to our work. It's not on them, it's on me. The reason many coaches don't set the appropriate container with clients is simple, fear. The fear shows up something like, what if they say no? What if they get upset? What if I remind them of our agreements and they quit? What if I can't stick to our agreements? Talking about that would take up time we really need for coaching. Um, so I just finished this, this, this little bit here, and then I've got so many just quick comments. If you're just building your coaching practice or in need of money, these questions can get really loud. I guess that's me. You know, Coaches are afraid of how their clients will react to them holding the container, afraid that they as coaches won't be able to handle the reaction so they hold back and tell themselves that it's in service of letting their client decide what to work on. Here's the secret. Da-da-da. The container is the coaching. The container is the coaching. How they and you show up in the face of their commitments is relevant to every part of their life, to everything they want to create, to every future dream and vision. It is what you're there for, and if, you're, and if you set powerful agreements on the strength of your container at the start, it's another tool in service of the transformation when challenges arise. So very quickly, Matt, I'm seeing many things here, right? Is uh, management of expectations, right? Uh, level setting, rules of engagement, uh, consistency, you know, staying the course. Um, once the slippery slope that once you give in once, you're going to give in a hundred times, a thousand times. That's the slippery slope. And also all of these fears, um, you know, as, as I heard from a podcast, anxiety is essentially um, the fear of future trauma. What if they say no? Well, what if they say yes? What if they get upset? Well, what if they don't? You know, uh, what if I can't stick to our agreements? What if I can stick to our agreements? Um, so it's fear of future trauma, and it's often based on clearly something that has happened in the past, uh, but it isn't real. It's, it's, it's made up. It's in your mind. You're in your own head. Um, so there's so much stuff coming from this, and I guess maybe another word for container is just process. Yeah, I think about it as the set of agreements. It's the process. It's, as you said, the rules, the rules of engagement. It's how we want to work together. It's uh, sometimes is how do we want to fight? How do we? What happens if there's a disagreement? How do we come back? Uh, it's definitely logistical things like how often we're going to talk, what our relationship looks like outside of coaching conversations, uh, when and how you'll pay, how much they'll pay, um, 
all of all of that stuff is part of building it's the very very foundational work that allows something really powerful to be built on top of it um and is the the stuff we've been taught to avoid as humans it's like the don't talk about uncomfortable stuff so we try to brush over it but it's the most important part because their reaction to it and and your reaction to it as a coach or a leader is going to be uh, is going to reveal how you will talk about it for the rest of your relationship. Yeah, and so that it, it's it's almost that first impression. Um, I heard actually last week in boot camp, uh, one coach basically says, um, "Do not call me like if they're on vacation or on the weekend or whatever." do not call me unless there's a fire, like literally unless there's a fire. And then the second thing they say, and by the way, if there is a fire, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So call 911. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and that's and this is what's beautiful, I think, is that, um, and uh, I just thought someone asked the question, is coaching different for men, women, left, right brain? I think, uh, yes, coaching is different for every person. And so... The reason that I give examples of different plant containers or you know different containers is that I, as a coach, I have I have a few options, and this is the same is true for a, for a leader for hiring someone. Um, we have a couple of options. One option is this is my these are my set of agreements. This is my container. This is how it works to work with me. You're either in or you're out, and that allows people to uh, to get off of the fence, right? To get out of hell and either into hell yes or hell no, very very clearly. And, um, and so that's an option is like, this is what it's like, period, full stop. Another option then is to say, oh, I actually understand that every client or every person I work with is going to have slightly different needs and they're going to be working on slightly different things, or they are going to respond differently to, uh, to different things. An example is, you know, some people respond very strongly to money. Some people respond very strongly to other types of motivation, um, maybe accountability from groups of people. They might need a different style of of a container or agreement to have them show up powerfully to whatever it is they want to transform. Um, I charge, often I charge different amounts to different people because they have different c- capabilities and also because money means different things to them. And so an option there is also to, you know, to understand and to co-create the the strength of that container, again, with the only outcome saying we're either both hell yes to this or both hell no. There is no in between. We're going to show up. So I'm going to make sure that we, um, I'm just going to read uh, one more um, little paragraph, which says your containers aren't strong enough. Again, I know because my containers aren't, often aren't strong enough, it's a constant work in progress, an adjustment that's best done in partnership. While writing this book, I've had multiple clients quit their work with me right after committing or in the middle of a long-term agreement. Um, it's tough. It shook me. From those learnings, the container I now create for new clients, even as we're exploring the possibility of working together, is much stronger. I completely reworked my new client agreements and set some required practices for new clients to take on as we enter into our work. I put more attention and care into the beginning of our work, reveal more of myself, and am more clear on the game I'm inviting my clients to play. As a result, we get to go deeper more quickly. How to make, uh, and, and, and I'm going to, there are, there are five steps. I'm just going to tell you what they are. Um, so you'll have to go find out more yourself. Um, but it says, Des- uh, designing the containers of our coaching work is no different from the coaching process we walk our clients through. You start with the end in mind, design backward, and walk step-by-step step along the way. So number one is define the game you're playing. Number two is imagine success and ask what happened along the way. Number three, make agreements and review them together. Number four is review them frequently. And number five is break shit. There you go. Um, break shit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stop there. And uh, next week, we are going to get into... Next week, we'll, I guess, either be in Twitter Spaces or, or Clubhouse. 
Um, but uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but part two is called, what do you want? Damn it. Um, <laughs> what do you want? Um, I mean, it's a good question as well, right? Which is like, what are your expectations of this relationship? Um, wh- what are your expectations of this meeting? Um, it's so good to be able to mention that right at the beginning and then come back and say, hey, were your expectations met? Like, sounds so simple, right? But how often do we do that? Yeah, not often enough, I think. And me too on a regular basis. And I also don't like, I think because um, many of us don't like being on the receiving end of that question because we have a whole lot of stories about why we don't know what we want or we don't know if we met expectations or worry the other person's going to be disappointed in our answer or blah, blah, blah. We often feel uncomfortable asking the question. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, and I said this actually yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday uh, or earlier this week, um, which is, you know, something that I've also learned along the ways. If you're creating this, you know, in, in this case, a container um, that, you know, that is strong, that, 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 you know, that kind of, um, maybe I'm using a different analogy, uh, but the idea that it's 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 all chaos inside, but outside there's a there's an there's a semblance of normalcy, meaning that you know in the in this container in these four walls we are safe, we air we put everything on the table, we are vulnerable, um, we're prepared to kind of get naked figuratively in front of each other, um, you know almost the analogy of parents that never argue in front of the kids, um, then you know. It is, it is gut wrenching. It is hard. It is, you know, cathartic um, to be able to do that. But you also don't want to just be in the bomb throwing business, you know, just kind of bomb after bomb after bomb without care, consideration, without love, um, without empathy. Um, and and I think that's a key little caveat here, which is which is if you love someone, you're going to be honest with them, but you're also that doesn't mean you're going to be tactless and brutal, you know, and raw, you know, and hurt them in the process. Um, this was also part of the drama triangle question, you know, I mean, for a matrix, which is, are you helping yourself or hurting yourself? Are you helping others or hurting others? Um, both can be true and both need to be true. Yeah. Honestly, one of the places that I, I, uh, one of the reasons that I think a coaching relationship can be really powerful is that everywhere else in life, if we're, if we're self-aware enough, we'll, we'll stop ourselves from throwing bombs or we'll try our best. What that means though, is we never actually get practice at sharing our truth. And when we do it, it comes out sideways because it's uncontrollable. It's been held in for so long that, um, because it feels dangerous that when we do it, we can't control it. But in a coaching relationship, it actually, um, I can get mad and yell at my coach. I have co- I have clients who tell me "f you" on a regular basis with full full f word, right? Like, and they probably don't have many other places to do that safely. But what happens is that if they have practice doing that with me, and we can support them in regulating their nervous system when they do that then they can take that skill outside into the real world into the with the other people that they love and and express themselves in all of their emotion more skillfully and so um i'm actually a, 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 as a coach i'm maybe a bit of a masochist but i'm okay with some bomb throwing inside of our container yeah and 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 look i mean you can also um you can also uh there's no real analogy or metaphor because a bomb is a bomb, um, but but at least you can give someone a heads up, I suppose, um, which is you know brace yourself, to take cover. Um, uh, today though, there were no bombs thrown. There's only love uh, all round. Next week, I guess we're doing it next week, right? I think you said that you have nothing on your calendar all of next week except for this. Is that is that right? This is a, I committed to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, it helps that it's at six a.m. So, you know, I won't. I wouldn't be doing any wedding stuff, but it'll be two days before my wedding. So I'm gonna get up bright and early, and then 
maybe make Kristen some some breakfast. Well, we'll we'll uh, it will be owed to your union. Um, and uh, everyone here, watch the space. Um, uh, kind of literally and figuratively, will either be doing it on Twitter or Clubhouse, depending on, uh, you know, I'm determined more people need to be in the Collective Cafe and more people need to hear uh, and read this book and hear about this because it just, uh, it, it's fantastic. That's why I say uh, this is the best hour of my day, uh, bar none. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.